Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome in. This is Locked On Hornets presented by Hive Talk Live. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my co-host, my friend, my mentor, my father figure, David Walker. David, welcome in. Father figure. I will be your father figure. (laughs) Oh, man. There's a lot to talk about in this show. I don't want to waste too much time chatting with your dumb head. Um, so in. let's get into it. We've got uh, Vegas odds to talk about. Uh, they released those, the spreads for each NBA team. Want to talk about that. We also have to talk about uh, or continue our series of depth chart breakdowns. I'll be, I'll be looking forward to the end of this week, David, because we'll have a full scope of the Hornets' uh, depth at each position, but also I won't have to say the word depth chart much. It's, it's a tough word here in the, in the radio <laughs> in the radio yep. industry depth depth chart you really have to focus on on getting that pth sound well you're doing it Doug. you're you're all over it well so listen i appreciate that. it and that's why i have you on the show to just compliment me without um any any excuse so i appreciate that you're amazing, um, you're amazing. we are part of the locked on podcast network podcast on your favorite teams delivered week daily Panthers fans make sure head over to iTunes after the show and subscribe to the Locked On Panthers podcast with host Steve Reed get ready for this Sunday's matchup and we're putting the live back in Hive Talk Live by the way if we have any new listeners I hear we've we've got some new listeners maybe you saw us on uh, todaysfastbreak.com or you're, you're seeing us on Twitter or through the Locked On podcast network first of all welcome to the show uh, we we've been around for this was our fourth season now. We were we were pre-Hornets coming back. We started with the Bobcats. It was a podcast called Podcats. And then we became Hive Talk Live, and we went live Tuesdays and Thursdays for a couple of seasons. Now we are locked on Hornets, presented by Hive Talk Live, and we're going each day, Monday through Friday. It'll be in the morning in your in your podcast feed. And we're also going live again on Tuesdays and Thursdays, beginning this fall on YouTube and Facebook. So follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live for more updates about when that's going to happen. And if you're a new listener or you're an old listener and you have a question or a comment or you want to sponsor the show, make sure to email us at buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. And we've got a newsletter coming out that's going to rock your world and really set your day in the right direction. And so more information on that will be on uh, Twitter at Hive Talk Live as well. Okay, so David, first we're going to get to these Vegas odds. Uh, specifically, they are coming from the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and they released their spreads for the NBA season this year. 
And without further ado, the Hornets coming in at 39.5 wins. Now I don't bet. Yeah, yeah. I don't have anything I don't I don't have anything against betting. I just don't I like my money. I like to I like to That's keep good. my money safe and near me and in my pocket where I can spend it. Mm-hmm. Um but I w- if I did bet, I I think I'd take the over here on the Hornets at 39 and a half wins after after securing 49 wins last season. 48, right? 48, 48 sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Doug, one thing to keep in mind here, Vegas is not in the business of losing money. That's the first thing. But also, these lines, and well, at least this goes for, for, for game lines, You know, these lines are enticed to attract, or are made to entice people, to attract them to bet on either side or one side or, or, or both sides and put many, many dollars on those sides. So um, while, yes, th- this number is put out there for wins, that is one important caveat that I always like to keep in mind. However, I agree with you, Doug. This is uh, a touch low, but we should point out a little. But we should point out uh, good enough for eight in the East. <laughs> so there's that. If you want to look well, at yeah, okay. that way. So Vegas, yeah, I, I agree with you. Vegas, obviously, a, a lot of um, smart guys uh, in, in the back of the casinos where you can't see them and don't know who they are. Yeah, I'm sure there's smart people that are mm-hmm. invested in not losing money. But then you look at last season, and this same sure. Westgate Las Vegas Superbook put out their preseason you know, win totals, title odds, and they had the Hornets at 32.5 wins. Right. And they far oh, eclipsed sure. that. Now, I want to say this. I'm not expecting this Hornets team to get to 50. I don't know that they can really improve on a 48-win on a season last season. I'm not sure about that yet because I think there are a lot of question marks in terms of the talent that they lost and the talent that they tried to replace it with. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm also not seeing a a, a uh, what would that be? Almost an eight eight win, nine win regression. I just don't right. see under forty for this team. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think 500 is probably the safe area. We have yet to do our predictions. We're horrible at predictions. That's why we've yet to do them. But um, I, I'm with you. I mean, well, <laughs> actually, they're 39 and a half, so I guess they're right there. But I think 41-42, right, is maybe the sweet spot. And, you know, yeah, it's going to be tough for this team to get to 50 wins. Anything is possible. But especially if you factor in getting MKG back and he's healthy, I don't see how they don't get to that 500 mark um, just based on a, you know, the thing that always gets lost in this to me is, is Clifford and Steve Clifford doesn't get, he's starting to get a little more respect and see some of these rankings come out. But uh, to me, his presence alone is, uh, is good enough to get them within shouting distance of 500. And, and I think that's something not taken into account. Yeah. Yeah. If you take the under, in this, or you push, you're essentially saying that the Hornets are not a 500 team. You could even take the over, right. and they would be slightly a game under 500. And, and mm-hmm. I just I think that the Hornets could sustain one injury, one major injury, and, and still. I mean, they started they started PJ Hairston for what. 30, 40, 90 games last season, it felt like, and, right. and they still were able right. to achieve great things. Now, here's here's what I'll say on the 50-win total thing, or, or just improving. Get to 49, 50, make an improvement over last season. I think for that, I thought about it last night. Under what circumstance could the Hornets pull that off? 
And I think the circumstances, A, the entire starting lineup remains healthy relatively. I mean, everyone's going to miss a game or two, get rest, whatever. But if they remain relatively healthy for the entire season, and you have Marco Bellinelli or Roy Hibbert pop off in a way that Jeremy Lin did last season, and which was very quick. I mean, Jeremy Lin came on very quickly and sustained. I mean, he had a he had a dip in his performance uh, near the middle of the season, but he he sort of reclaimed that late. And, and so, if it's quick, uh, because I think you can rack up a lot of wins early and, and jump on teams that may not be as ready as you, and especially when you take into, into consideration that the Hornets do have some continuity in their roster, they're going to be comfortable with one another for the most part. I just I think that's how the Hornets get to fifty wins. Yeah, they'll have to have some help too, right? But I mean, again, they are in the East. The East is improved. The teams right above them, the Wizards and the Pacers and the Hawks. I think that's going to be your jumble. And we should know the Bucks are right there at thirty nine and a half too. So um, perhaps the Hornets aren't in these mythical playoffs that I've been talking about, <laughs> depending on the tiebreakers. But um, I think you're right, Doug. They've got to have some things go their way and probably some things not work out so well for some of the other teams, right? Yeah, well, you always have to have teams coming down. I'm trying to look at the rest of these. I'm trying to look at the rest of these win totals and, and see if I – I mean, they have the Minnesota Timberwolves at 41.5, and, and if you <laughs> if you yeah. read anyone's rankings, you could take the over on that one too. People really high on the Timberwolves. Where are the Pistons? Let me find the Pistons oh, you know where on they there. are. You know where they 45 are. 45 and a half. My goodness. See, that's what I don't. I don't understand what. Wh- where is the evidence? I, I want well, to. I want to speak to one of these year. shadow bookies. I want to find out anonymously what. <laughs> and they never saw Doug again. Um, well, they did have forty. They had forty-four wins last year. Um, so I suppose if they're on the uptick, that 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 makes sense. But you know. Again, some of the teams we pointed out to have. But I'm seeing the same kind of continuity between both teams, and one team they regress down to 39 and a half, and one team they they have with a game and a half jump. That's what I don't understand. Yeah, it, it looks like they're taking into uh, taking into account you know the players that these teams have lost. So like the Hornets lost Big Al and Lynn, so that was a big knock. The Heat lost D Wade, might lose Bosch. They took a big uh, dip in their win totals. The Thunder. Uh, about a nine and a half, ten point or ten game uh, drop there for losing KD. So I mean, that looks like to me one of the bigger reasons for some of these drops. Of course. Well, I think if you're looking to be a little, and this is always dangerous, don't try to be smarter than Vegas. But if you are trying to look at that, I think you know one of the places you can find those kind of things is are is Vegas or are the the predictors out there are they overvaluing the the players that a team loses or are they undervaluing players that a team is gaining and i think you have both opportunities here with the charlotte hornets that's what happened last season i think they undervalued marvin williams they undervalued jeremy lynn they undervalued yeah. a, a lot of what the hornets had to offer and and yeah. th- that's why they eclipsed that 32.5 mark and that's probably more for those other teams than the hornets because let's be honest the hornets never really get um, come out here and get good win totals. And you, you said last year, I, I can't remember any. It'll take a couple of years before I think they start getting some of that Vegas respect. 
well, listen, if you want to beat Vegas, you have to be smart. And and to be smart about the Hornets, you have to listen to this show. So in that vein, we're doing all week, the Locked On Podcast Network on the NBA side is doing depth chart breakdowns for each of their teams. Uh, we're, we're here on Wednesday. It's time to talk about the small forwards. And for that, we look to our friends over at AtTheHive.com, the SB Nation blog on the Charlotte Hornets, and writer Russell Varner. Here he is. Russell, welcome in. You're here to help us out with the small forward position. Not a lot of depth behind Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. A breakdown. Just tell us, who do we have here uh, on the small forward position for the Charlotte Hornets? Um, well, as you said, there is really not a lot there. You have Michael Kidd-Gilchrist at the top. You could argue that Nick Batum is the top backup, and after that, it is not a pretty side. You're looking at the likes of Jeremy Lamb and Marco Bellinelli, as far as players who are guaranteed to make the roster. You could perhaps see a rookie like, say, a Travion Graham, but that's really about it. Yeah, this is a depth chart position, Russell, where you really want to argue for positionless basketball <laughs> because you don't <laughs> you don't really have a traditional small forward, a veteran small forward behind Michael Kidd Gilchrist. How I mean, if you can if you can name the probably the biggest criticism about this roster at this point for the Charlotte Hornets, it's that they don't have a veteran presence behind MKG who has missed significant time throughout his career only played seven games last season it's a it's a roster oddity in my mind absolutely i can't really remember any team that came has come into a season with a position like this where it's just really bare normally it seems at least with the charlotte teams as far back as i can remember they, they usually have a pretty good balance around positions maybe you only carry two or three centers but small forward is never really a position that teams kind of gone scarce on especially with the way the game is played today where so much involves wing play and athletic people or athletic uh small forwards and shooting guards Okay, well, let's start with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. What did you see in the seven games that he was able to play last season that that gives you hope uh, that he can that he can really transform this team and help cover some of the losses that they sustained in free agency? The fact that he completely rejuvenated his offensive game. He said so many new career highs last year man who came in never shot better than 43 or 47% from the floor and then last year granted it's in seven games but shoot 54% from the floor his career high in three point percentage in the season before last season was 22% not great and then last year he comes in and shoots almost 43% he has completely redone his offensive game and it's really shown because in the past, when MKG was on the floor, defenses could afford to lay off him, to slack off him, and try to guard the paint more from, say, Al Jefferson or from a bit um, a Ken the Walker drive, because you could afford to let MKG shoot. Now he's shown the ability not just to shoot jump shots, but to shoot and hit three pointers, which is key in this Hornets offense. 
Yeah, Russ, but I, I still don't think that he's going to show up on opposing scouting reports as as a shooter, and that could benefit him if his shooting truly has improved, and if he can prove that you know over a sustained period of time, more than seven games, and stay on the floor, then I think it could be an, he could still be a secret weapon for the Charlotte Hornets offensively, and not just his three point game, but also his transition game. That's something that the Hornets have sorely missed. They they did not push the pace very much last season. I think they'll look to push it a little bit more. I think that's part of, part of the reason why they went out and added Ramon Sessions to this lineup to try to uh, to try to basically replace what Jeremy Lin gave this team in terms of pushing the pace and pushing the basketball up the floor and, and keeping the keeping the defense honest. So that that will be interesting as well. But let's take a look at the, a couple of the guys behind Michael Kidd Gilchrist. You, you hope that Nick Batum doesn't have to slide down to the three because he's much more comfortable playing that two position. But Marco Bellinelli is interesting because I think you know he has the size to play three, right? I would definitely say so. Maybe not so much the height per se, but he's definitely got the bulk. Comes in at six five, but a solid two hundred ten pounds. So he's able to stay in there with some of the bigger guys and be able to hang in there when you're facing the likes of, say, a LeBron James. And I know Marco Bellinelli's been given a lot of slack for his defensive acumen or lack thereof, particularly at Sacramento last year. But I think he should be given a little bit of a pass, mainly because that was Sacramento. And unless your name is DeMarcus Cousins, not a lot of good is coming out of there. If you look at his stats, uh, his defensive win share last year was a 0.3, which is the lowest in his career since the 2010 season. From 2010 to 2015, he had at least a 1.0 win share. And if you look at his two years in San Antonio, a very well-run organization with a very solid defense, sounding a lot like the Charlotte Hornets, his defensive win shares were 2.4 and 1.4. So he has the ability to play good defense. He just didn't really get a chance to show it out in Sacramento because Sacramento. Yeah, and I was looking on Twitter, uh, our friend at uh, Nick underscore Sharia uh, had a chart on there that showed that when Marco Bellinelli did slide up to the three, he actually played about four points better on defense based on DRE, which is a nyloncalculus.com statistic that measures uh, basically box score plus minus. So on the defensive end uh, and and offensive end, I think he played better. And I think it was a little smaller sample size because he mostly played shooting guard in, in Sacramento. But he has the capability, I think, is the key point there. This is going to be definitely, unless they address something in, in a trade and bring a true small forward backup, or you know, if someone uh, from this training camp roster impresses, uh, you're going to see some fluidity between the two and the three position. Uh, but let's talk about one of these training camp guys. Trevion Graham getting a lot of buzz around the Hornets organization. It's a guy that the Hornets really like. Tell us about Trevion and and his game and what uh, we can expect come training camp. A Travion, uh, as you said, the team really likes him, and I can see why. 6'6", six, six, a solid two, 220 pounds. Guy comes from a very good, uh, well-run team in Virginia Commonwealth, VCU. Very well known for their defensive acumen. 
So you know that he's able to play defense, which has to be something that Steve Clifford loves. On top of that, he's a he's got a pretty good shot as well. Senior season, shot 38% from deep. From his sophomore through his senior year, he averaged at least 15 points per game. And in his last two seasons in college, grabbed at least seven rebounds a game. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about this kid, especially if he's able to step up in training camp and the team's not really excited by everything else they see, which it could happen when you have the likes of a Jeremy Lamb who's just been so inconsistent throughout his career on your roster. And he's a guy that played very well uh, in in the NBA D-League, so even if he doesn't make the Hornets roster, I think he'll be uh, someone who can contribute for the Greensboro Swarm and, and be a possible midseason call-up uh, for the uh, Idaho Stampede. He averaged 15.7 points, six rebounds per game on 46 percent shooting and and he was a standout i think in orlando at 19 points in one game uh you know he he did have perimeter struggles he's not going to be you know a knockdown three-point shooter uh but like you said he's somebody that has the size has the build and has the the work ethic i mean he wants it really bad and, and i think he you know if you look at one position on the charlotte hornets that is ample that is ripe for someone to step up in training camp, nab a spot, get some minutes. I think it's that small forward position behind Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And there were, you know, without Frank Kaminsky in Orlando, and Aaron Harrison didn't play as well as I think a lot of people hoped he would, it, there were there were a few standouts in Orlando. One of those guys was Trevion Graham, and I think that's why you're seeing uh, this buzz. During his four games there, Graham averaged 17.25 points, 3.7 rebounds, on uh, three point, yeah, three point seven rebounds per game on sixty four percent from the field. So those are those are big numbers. Those are big summer league numbers. It's definitely something to get excited about. Also, don't think I didn't see what you did there, though. Seeing what all the buzz is about. Listen, yeah, you gotta you listen. You, I, you know how big of a fan I am of of the pun. Uh, I, I got to <laughs> drop them in there when I can. Hey, so uh, we're, we're asking you, just like we're asking everyone that's the, doing these depth chart breakdowns, to bring in your favorite movie series or your favorite TV series and rank this depth chart position by that favorite series. What do you have for us? Um, when I look at this small forward position, the very first thing I thought of, in all honesty, was the Matrix trilogy. A trilogy that had an amazing first movie where the very top of it, it, it's just one of the cinematic greats. And then after that, it just dips and drops down dramatically. Uh, I look at this, the small four position, and I think of the second Matrix movie where you had such great moments like the highway car chase scene, which still blows my mind to this day. And but after that, it's really just not a lot there. Yeah, I love I love that comparison. I think it compares both to the second movie where you had that amazing car chase scene. You can compare that to Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who plays plays kind of like a car crash, a little dangerous. Uh, you know, <laughs> breaks a lot of things, unfortunately, but he's not going to change the way he plays, uh, and, and that's what makes him a, a special player as well. Uh, but yeah, after that, you know the the CGI in in that second movie 
doesn't hold up very well. <laughs> Neo uh, going around on that pole, nicely. yeah, kicking kicking all of those uh, kicking all of those agents. He looks like a cartoon character now. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But I think it's for the whole series. I think you're right. You know, the first movie was a cinema. I think it's a modern classic. I think when people look back on that era of cinema, I think you have to raise up Matrix as one of the best movies uh, in that nineties two thousands era. And also, I think that, uh, you know, you're right. After t- after one, two, three, pretty big drop-off. A lot like the small forward position for the Charlotte Hornets. You have Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and then behind him, a ton of question marks. Well, Russ, thanks so much for joining us, uh, helping us out. You can follow Russ at, on Twitter at? At rvarner. And read him on atthehive.com. Russell, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Doug. Russell Varner there with an excellent movie comparison, Doug. I love the the fact that you threw these out, and I think he really brought it and provided a a great one-to-one comparison to this position here. You did a great job breaking down the the, the Matrix trilogy. So, so yeah, no, well, that's no, you know, no. if you're if you're new to the show, you not only get basketball takes, you're going to get movie takes too. You're going to get some TV that's takes. Right. We're going to do a Stranger Things episode at some point <laughs> as soon as I finish Ooh. watching it. Um, okay. So yeah, that's what you get with this show. We're we're and relentless. I think you're right though. You're right though. I mean, the first one is unlike anything we've ever seen. Probably at the time, very unconventional, and not a lot of things like it. Nothing that goes on to describe Michael K. Gilchrist too. And we've talked every year about how important he is, and it's going to be the same way this year. I mean, and there's not much behind him. We we talked about Lamb a little bit too. Maybe he can slide in there. You know, Marvin maybe slide up a little bit. So, I mean. I can't see them going into the season saying, well, we're good. We'll have uh, Graham right behind him, uh, and we'll just go with that. So that's obviously not the the track they're going to take. Do you see one of those two guys, I don't know, getting more looks early on to try and fill in behind Gilchrist? Yeah, early on it's going to be it's early on it's going to be the 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 pivot point on the rotation where you you have guys from the starting lineup leaking down and changing positions and and playing small, playing big, you know, different kind of things happening. That's going to be the pivot point, but I think it's something mm-hmm. that they will have to address whether that be you know, going out and getting someone who can yeah. be a backup or as I've suggested several times, maybe finding some some kind of upgrade at the power forward position, and then you get everything that Marvin brings you in in the reserve role. I think if you know if you, you do see a, a mild to medium regression, hopefully not a strong regression from Marvin's performance last season, you're going to see some kind of regression. I can't imagine he can you know do it again in, in year twelve, but. I think wow. you could you could you know restock really well if you found an opportunity to upgrade at the power forward position and send send him down into the the backup rotation. I think that gives you really really strong depth. Mm. Yeah, I think the you know the fantasy scenario probably is what Frank really steps up and solidifies himself as a starting power forward. But there's no way they're counting. <laughs> hey, it could happen. There's no way they're counting on that. So. Man, that that looks like a big hole when you look down that depth chart at MKG and then, you know, no shots at, at Travion Graham. But, you know, come on. It is what it is. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to Locked on Hornets presented by Hive Talk Live. Tomorrow we're going to break down the power forward position with Hive Talk Live Thursday host Justin Thomas from ESPN 730. 
Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review while you're there. Help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. We want to hear from you. Email your Hornets thoughts, your questions, your comments to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. Hive Talk Live is a presentation of the Locked On Podcast Network and SB Nations at thehive.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on.